So this is episode 13 of the K-Podcast, lucky number 13. It's only right because it's almost Halloween, you know what I'm saying? Um, What's today's date, actually? The 23rd. So we got, what, eight days until Halloween? That's right, dude. Um, So yeah, it's October 23rd, it's Friday. Damn, it's Friday the 13th. Oh, no, it's not. (laughs) It's Friday, episode 13. Shit, we're sipping on a little ripple, you know what I mean? What's this shit called again? It's uh, Basil Hayden. Sipping on some Basil Hayden that uh, the old doc, the, just what the doc ordered, as they would, as they say, you know what I mean? Yes. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Dr. Craig, a.k.a. Dr. Teej McSqueege, uh, internal medicine physician in uh, West Central Florida. Yes, sir. Got our third guest on the pod. Thank my boy TJ for coming down. Um, I've known TJ since I started college, since I was 17 years old in 2008. And I've seen him work up to the point that he's at now, working his ass off in school, working his ass off behind closed doors at the fucking hospitals and the doctor's offices and everything. Um, So it's only right since I put in all that time with the friendship that he comes on here <laughs> and spill some knowledge on the pod. Um, I just wanted him to come on and kind of give uh, his medical two cents about just the climate right now, the pandemic. COVID-19 has fucking swept the goddamn globe. So I wanted Dr. Teej McSqueed to come on here and kind of just, you know, uh let us know his opinions on stuff um you know disclaimer he doesn't work for the cdc or anything crazy like that he's not a uh what are they uh not infectious disease epidemiologist epidemiologist yeah um but you know he i call him all the time anytime i got a medical issue i'm always fucking calling this dude fucking roll my ankles and shit (laughs) um so yeah i got him on here today Dr. Teach Me Squeege, appreciate you being here, bro. Absolutely, dude. Thank you for having me. Before we start, a little cheers. I will take that for sure. Salud. All right. Well, yeah, so first things first, um, just overall, I mean, how... How has this stuff impacted your day-to-day working at a hospital? Like, what changes have you seen... Obviously, it's going to be a little more strict with uh, health protocol, safety, cleanliness, and things like that. But um, just, I just want to hear your two cents on what you've been seeing and, and how you how you feel about it. Tell me how you feel, Teach. Yeah, sure. So uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, 
uh, getting to the hospital, they uh, you, there's a check-in station now. Never was that before. Give me your name, check your temperature. Like pretty much, I'd say majority of workplaces. But maybe not because I work at a hospital. Yeah, we're not doing temps at all. Okay, so I take my temperature every single day. Someone takes my temperature at the hospital every mm. single day. I have like a little sticker they give me like at a garage sale on my badge saying I've been cleared You've for today. Been temped. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, don't have any symptoms. You know, they ask you all the que- or you know, they ask all the questions. Have you traveled? Anyone in contact with COVID? Have you been tested for COVID? Um, you know, cough, diarrhea, upset stomach. Uh, Are they actually giving you the COVID test frequently? If like, you say yes to one of those questions, you okay. go right to the ER to go get tested. True. You know, and you're sent home for the day. So, you know, some people take advantage of that, you know, saying, oh, yeah, yeah I got, well, you know, chronic bronchitis. And yeah, I got a cough. So go to the ER. Go get t- you're, <laughs> go, you're done for the day. Go you know? take this fucking test. Uh, anywho. So, uh, yeah, you'll get tested at that point, and then in three days you'll know if you can come back to work or not, something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, wearing a mask at all times, never had to do that, but I wear a mask all day, every day at work. Yeah, I would imagine. If I go into anyone's room, uh, actually, no, every single room I go into, I'm also required to wear uh, some type of face shield or goggles, or, uh, you know, if you've got a beard, you're wearing that, you know, the, like the halo head. Helmet. Yeah, the space helmet. Um, you know, try to avoid our top floor because that's our COVID floor. I try COVID to avoid floor. try to uh, avoid the ICU because half of the ICU is dedicated to COVID patients on ventilators and same kind of thing. They're doing the uh, you know not full body suits, but you're doing the the little booties for your shoes, mm-hmm. full gown, uh, face shield, um, bonnet for your hair, uh, mask. Uh, gloves and uh, just being super careful that you're not trying to contaminate anything or you know now that we know COVID's aerosol and moving in the air not letting that air try to escape from the room we have a lot of pressurized rooms as well where air sucks in it's like Mm. a vacuum almost so uh, that air is not getting out Uh, patients that are you know in any COVID patient is not getting any kind of breathing treatment where air circulating like i don't know if you have asthma or hopefully not copd mm-hmm. you're using a nebulizer mm-hmm. you know if you're having a severe exacerbation and uh not allowed to do that only inhalers only you know something that's close to your face you're not breathing all over the room that's just for personal like you're not sharing it either right it can't be right passed yeah. around or whatever exactly um so for that fourth floor the covid floor um I mean, how I would imagine like entering and exiting that floor is super fucking strict, whether they got to bring supplies up there or something like that. Like, how does that work? They got a whole pretty much. There's like there's a little stop sign that says, you know, do not pass this point unless you you know check in with the charge nurse or something like that. And uh, if any kind of maintenance maintenance person comes up there, they're getting, you know, checked in to go clean a room or, you know, bring a page, you know, th- the like cafeteria people bring up the food they just pass it off to the nurse or leave it right there at that station because they're not you know we try to limit exposure as much as possible um sometimes there's a lot of doctors that won't even go into the rooms they'll just you know straight up telemedicine calling the patient from the phone or having the nurse bring an ipad in or something like that send so, the nurse in to do their dirty work the, the nurses do all the dirty work yeah, dude they get to the nurses they get all that credit dude they're you know talk about front right. lines you know um 
Yeah, shout out to the nurses for sure. I mean, the doctors too, but yeah, they shout out to all you guys. Fucking a. <laughs> Thank you. That's why I wanted to have you on here. You know, like you guys, you guys have been doing the dirty work for the past fucking six, seven, eight months or whatever. Um, so I'm sure you've seen stuff that we're not privy to. You know what I mean? There may be stuff you may not even want to share, you know, like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to have you on here, man, and kind of talk about some of that stuff. Uh, let me pull up these questions here. Well, first things first, you know, I was going to ask it and everyone out there probably knows I was going to ask it mask or no mask (laughs) and why. Okay. Give a, yeah, give a doctor's explanation as to why these dumb motherfuckers should start wearing masks. All right. Uh, I guess the most logical and uh, <laughs> evidence-based medicine shows uh, that the virus is transmitted via not just droplets, but aerosol. So if you sneeze or something, you know, droplet precautions, it's going to travel six feet and fall somewhere, right? Like, that's why they say social distance, because originally it was... Uh, it's the sneeze radius right <laughs> six feet you know droplet precautions that's yeah. what that is now we know it's you know likely to be transmitted via aerosol so once you sneeze or cough or whatever the particles aren't heavy enough to just drop they float you see you know fibers and I whatever mean, you ever seen somebody's fucking sneeze it's just pss, fucking mist <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to be around that. Shit. That's, I mean, I, I don't think I need to go much further than that. That's yeah. the whole purpose of the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so no, yeah, I was just joking. Protecting about. yourself, and uh, you know, if you have the virus, because you know, if you've been exposed, uh, exposed, you, you know, you're supposed to self quarantine for. 14 days, days, right? But those people are still out and getting groceries, going to the store and whatnot. Yeah. If you know that you've been infected or you've tested positive, uh, you're supposed to self-isolate for 10 days. That is the current current guideline recommendation at this time. You are supposed to self-isolate, not see, you know, come in contact with anyone. True. And that makes sense. And you brought, what was the thing that you brought? That's the... uh... So I put together uh, the current COVID-19 pneumonia treatment. So the you know diagnosis, if you come to the hospital, you got to give you some kind of diagnosis. It's COVID-19 pneumonia. That's what you're infected with at the time. And it's the current... It's got- not technically the COVID vaccine, right? No. That's just like whatever, the little home remedy <laughs> that you guys have been giving kind of shit. Uh Pretty much, More yeah, because, you know, honestly, it's a virus and the treatment's supportive care, so... Yeah, you know, when you guys have more, you have access to medicine. And- throwing medicine at you helps, but it's, you know, it shows that it, evidence-based that it helps, but not that it's, the you know, it's not going to cure you. Yeah. But it'll help you get better faster. Should we, let me see it. Should I entertain the listeners by trying to pronounce all this shit? Sure, man. I mean, just looking at it, this looks nuts. Well, some of it, so the first thing just says COVID testing. I mean, you come in for shortness of breath, cough, uh, abdominal pain, diarrhea, headache, fever. The first thing you're doing is we're, we we test everyone in the ER, even if you don't have those symptoms for COVID-19 at this point. When it first came out, we... We're testing, you know, only certain criteria. I'm sure you heard if you were over 65 mm-hmm. and you had cough, shortness of breath, fever, you you would get tested. But otherwise, we'd say go home and self quarantine. You know. 
So it says COVID testing, chest x-ray showing bilateral infiltrates, meaning... So the x-ray is actually pretty interesting for COVID patients. So if you had pneumonia and you see a chest x-ray, you see, you know, the heart in the middle, you've got the, the two big lungs with, it's darker airspace because mm -hmm. air is air is black on an x-ray and Which bones are nuts. white. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to, in something with more density, like a bone is going to show up wider. So if you have pneumonia, you're going to have a, you know, some an, white in your lungs. Yeah. Some white in your lungs and infiltrate in either. Pneumonia is usually fluid in your lungs though, right? Uh, pneumonia, it's, it's an infection. It's just, you oh, know, okay. gunk there, right? Gunk. Yeah. And, uh, so you're going to have an infiltrate in like the upper lobe or lower lobe, middle lobe. Um, you know, one of those lobes that's, that's pneumonia, right? If you see that and you have a, you know, high white count, high suspicion of infection and, uh, you know, you'll get tested to see what kind of bug it is and whatnot. But for COVID it's these, it kind of like whites out all the lungs not as dark as you would think for pneumonia unless it gets really bad uh you know some patients do get to that acute respiratory dis distress syndrome and you go right to the icu uh you know and we try to get that do Taking the best we care, can to yeah, save you yeah. you know what i mean and that's where the rest of that treatment comes in but uh no the the x-ray it's it's both lungs completely like fuzzy you know hmm. and like in all regions of it yeah, we don't want to see that. So then I guess to counteract that, Supplemental O2 BiPAP. Yeah, so Supplemental O2, you know, that's putting that nasal cannula. Yeah. You know, the, the little thing that goes in your nose and wraps around your ears like mm -hmm. an oxygen tank. You see some of these older people with lung problems have it. So we put you on the Supplemental Oxygen. And, uh, you know, normal oxygen in the air is... 21 percent right and then a you lot get of like nitrogen a lot of nitrogen a little bit of carbon dioxide yeah. um so we breathe oxygen at 21 percent when you get that nasal cannula and pure o2 it's right? pure o2 we normally it depend depending on how much oxygen percentage you're getting is how many liters we're giving you on that Can't, oxygen is correct me if i'm wrong isn't there such a thing as oxygen sickness like too much pure o2 can like fuck you up kind of yeah so um, if you say, okay, again, the oxygen in the air is 21%. If I put you on two liters nasal, nasal cannula, which is what most people get when they get oxygen to start, yeah. that's, you're at now at 28% oxygen. Every liter I give you is about four more percent oxygen. And it's just going to throw off like your equilibrium sort well, of, it, it, you know, it depends on what problem you have. So for example, um, you know, the oxygen toxicity you were saying, sometimes we have patients that we put on hundred percent oxygen and hundred percent oxygen is not necessarily, it you know, you need it in moderation, right? So, yeah. you know, hyperbaric chambers, a lot of that is hundred percent oxygen and you're in there for hours. You can get hundred percent oxygen for about 24, 48 hours before you would start getting toxic on it. And what would happen when you go oxytoxic, like what, what happens, you know? So when you get the ox, too much oxygen in your blood, it's called oxygen toxicity and uh, causes oxidative stress on your cells. So if you're exposed for, if you're exposed in high concentration, you can get central nervous system issues, uh, kind of affecting your eyes is where the, the first sign you'll probably get of it. Uh, and pop out of your skull or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And then uh, for prolonged periods, like over 24 to 48 hours of pure 100% oxygen, you're going to get pulmonary problems. With your lungs. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but it says supplemental O2 BiPAP or intub- intubation with ventilation if needed. Yeah. So Those are just all different o- oxygen methods they're different oxygen methods and they all serve different purposes and the you know the bipap kind of forcing um forcing fluid out of your lungs so if you did have some kind of like pleural effusion some fluid in the bottom of your lungs the bipap would help force that out Hmm. or uh you know some degree of heart failure if that's where you were at uh intubation you know that's when they put that tube down your throat and anyone on a ventilator fuck that anyone (laughs) anyone on a ventilator you have to be intubated and uh you know neither of those things are fun things because you can't eat you know even with a bipap is that mask on that's wrapped around your head you can't eat mm, with that or like drink a fucking pilot or drink with that you know you get no water your mouth is so dry i feel so bad for these people just straight smoothies you don't get nothing dude how do you fucking live? Are they put they what's more imp- what's shit? more important, breathing or not? You know, breathing and not eating for two days or yeah, dying. That's fair. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, the people who are uh, mechanically ventilated, they get a uh, you know either an oral gastric tube or nasogastric tube, which is a tube down your throat going into your stomach or through your nose down into your stomach, and that's pumping nutrients into your stomach. So that's how you're eating while you're ventilated. Word. Not cool. Let me uh, take a stab at this next one. Azithromycin. That's good. Is that proper? Azithromycin, dude. Azithromycin at 500 milligrams IV QD. What does that mean, QD? Every day. Why is it QD? Just the way way it's always been. Azithromycin, 500 milligrams per... It's prescription talk. Via what? Pharmacy talk. Yeah, I just don't get it. QD. This means every day. Anyway, uh, for five days. And then um, ceftriaxone. Ceftriaxone. Ceftriaxone at at one gram via IV QD every day, bitch. For five days. Uh, dexamethasone. Perfect. Perfect. Six milligrams via IV QD every, for 10 days. Um, rem, remdesivir. Remdesivir. Is that proper? That remdesivir. Is, that, that is one of the new antivirals we're given. Okay. At... 200 milligrams via IV loading dose. That sounds like some drug shit. Load that dose up. (laughs) Loading dose, then 100 milligrams IV QD for four days following. Vitamin C, zinc, vitamin D supplements or supplementation. Uh, One unit of convalescent plasma yeah so if it's available we're we're giving these patients and it's early we're giving these patients convalescent plasma which is that yeah explain that yeah (laughs) so you know how they've been asking for people to donate blood if you've had covid and you've recovered 
if you've already had it. If you've already had it and you recovered, we're trying to get those people's plasma because it's it's beneficial to the patient. I'm not saying it's going to save you, but it's there's not gonna, like it's some, not going to hurt you. Yeah, there's something in there. Something in the water. Trying to get you some of those antibodies. So, convalescent plasma if early in diagnosis and if available. Combivent? So, Combivent is a and it's a one of those uh, butyrol. It's an inhaler, but it's not. Okay. Remember, I said you can't use the nebulizer machines because yeah. it's going to spread all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it says Combivent it, inhaler yes. every four hours. WA while awake. While awake. And then in parentheses it says albuterol ipertropium. That's just that, the those are the actual chemical drugs that are in Combivent. Combivent's a brand name. Got you. Yeah. <clears throat> and every two hours PRN. Uh, so every four hours while awake, you're going to get that, you know, get the inhalation drug. And, uh, or if you're really having symptoms, we can give it to you as often as every two hours. What's but, PRN mean though? Uh, as needed. Dude, you guys with these fucking. Yeah. <laughs> PRN means as needed and QD means every day. <laughs> Fuck being a doctor. <laughs> Appreciate what you do. <laughs> But what the fuck? What happened to English? <laughs> Two hours, PRN, shortness of breath, if HR okay, otherwise, Spiriva. Yes, so like you said before, that event is a combination of drugs, albuterol and ipotropium. Yeah. However, uh, you know, again, going into, well, I became a doctor here, man. If your heart rate is high we don't give you albuterol because it'll raise your heart rate higher and if you're you know super sick covid patient like that's the last thing i want is you to become tachycardic so we give spariva which is something called teotropium which is um just a muscarinic drug and uh it doesn't it doesn't have the albuterol in it a muscu what drug (laughs) muscarinic drug muscarinic yeah what does that mean uh, it works on a muscular Muscle receptor. On your muscles. <laughs> it's not working on the albuterol receptor, <laughs> so it does it doesn't increase your heart rate, but still gets the job done. Got you. Um. So otherwise, you use that teotropium. Correct. No nebulizer due to circulation. Yeah, the, in the air. And it says, may check CPR and D-dimer levels as prognostic indicators. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, uh, some people do it, some people don't, but uh, measuring that CRP level and that D-dimer level, uh, the CRP is What's kind of D-dimer? a... D-dimer? A D-dimer, it, it's... Oh, yeah, and CRP, I think I said CPR, what is that? <laughs> CRP level is a, uh, it's... A blood level we can check for signs of inflammation. So some people trend that lab and they'll do it uh, every other day, every third or fourth day. Just to, And that's kind of how they gauge if you're getting better or not is how much inflammation's in your lungs from that, you know, COVID pneumonia. Uh, and the D-dimer kind of checks for clots because you are at an increased risk of getting blood clots, clots in your lungs or uh, a DVT, which is like a deep vein thrombosis in your upper extremities, lower extremities. I mean, it's, like it's, it's a bad, you don't want the disease is what I'm saying. Um, but those are labs that people check periodically to make sure you're not getting blood clots. And, uh, 
you know, that your signs of inflammation are going down or up. And what does that say underneath it? PF? Uh, PT, physical therapy. Oh, PT. Always, always important. Got you. Physical therapists out there, you know. And then, yeah, physical therapy. Well, how would that help with COVID? Getting them out of bed, dude. And these people laying around just, all day just feeling like shit. You know, you got to make sure they're exercising. That's true. Well, it's crazy because I was just talking to somebody the other day. Um, I mean, knock on wood, I haven't been sick since this all started. I also haven't been tested, not once. But, I mean, I feel fine. You know what I mean? I've felt healthy this whole time. And uh, they were asking what I've been doing, if I've changed up anything in my routine and whatnot. And not really, bro. I mean, it's pretty much I'm trying. I always try to eat generally pretty healthy. But I feel like I've been trying to eat extra healthy aside from cookies and bullshit that I'm going to eat. You know what I mean? Uh, exercise and then just like taking vitamins and stuff. Because besides that, like, what the fuck else can you do? Let, no, you're doing all the right things, dude. You know, it's besides uh, the quarantine and wearing a mask and all that, washing yeah. your hands. I mean, it's not like you got to live your life, but you got to live your life smart, I guess. No, that's it, dude. Um, and then under that, it says incentive spirometry. Yeah, so incentive spirometry, it's a uh. A little device they use uh, in the hospital normally after surgeries or if you have pneumonia or some kind of breathing problem COPD mm -hmm. asthma it's um, it's really hard to describe to be honest with you, you might have to look <laughs> it up so it's Let's like a, it yeah we can look it up uh, spirometry yeah incentive spirometry it's a little little device they use you blow into it and uh, you measure uh, how well your lungs are functioning and you want to keep it at a certain level because if you don't... Oh, I think I've done one of those. You I probably was, have, dude. They're very common. Well, yeah, for pulmonary function. Yeah. Um, I think I had to do one of these for a fit test for a respirator. Uh, that's that's that same shit. You blow into the thing and they kind of test how long you can... Uh, it's a little plastic. kind of test your lung function almost. Yeah, a little. It's a, it's a little plastic device though. It might be different. It's not a... Um, it's incentive spirometer. You're not, it's not a, uh, so it says here, spirometry is a common office test used to assess how well your lungs work by measuring how much you inhale in, how much air you inhale. You so said nah. It, it's similar to that, but it's, it's not that type of incentive spirometry incentive. We're not measuring lung function. We're just trying to improve your lung function. An incentive spirometer is a device that measures how deeply you can inhale, parentheses, breathe in. Thank you. I know what inhale means. <laughs> it, <laughs> it helps you take slow, deep breaths to expand and fill your lungs with air. This helps prevent lung problems such as pneumonia. The incentive spirometer is made up of a breathing tube, an air chamber, and an indicator. That sound about right? Sounds about right. I mean, it looks kind of similar to the thing that I used. It uh, is similar. But it's more of an exercise different tool. Different function. It's more of an exercising tool for you to like keep your lungs. Strengthen your lungs. Strengthen your I lungs. need that shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's for. Can you just buy one? Sure, they're straight super, up. Yeah, you can five bucks. She about to come up on an incentives parameter, you wait. Be the freshest on the block. 
People start bragging about their new incentives for Hometer. Got Yo, the biggest lungs out here. Ain't fucking ready for that shit. Damn. All right. Um, hang on. Got me a little tipsy here with this fucking little bourbon here, bruh. Love me some basil, Hayden. This is, I think I mentioned on here before, like, I never really drink, so my boy, Dr. Teach, got me a little under the influence under here. What are the odds? The doctors don't want to come get you fucked up, you know what I mean? Doctor's orders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just following the doctor's orders, motherfucker, okay? I mean, that was really all the questions I had for you. We're at it like 30 minutes. I don't know if you had anything else to add. Not even about COVID shit, just about your journey as a doctor. Maybe advice to students who are studying right now on their, you know what I mean, on the on the same path that you took. Maybe some shit you've learned. Um, your I mean, experience down in uh, Nevis. Yeah, I would. Uh, first of all, I would say, uh, you know, I didn't know I wanted to become a doctor until I was a junior at UCF in college yeah <laughs> and uh you know that wasn't the uh right time to start working on the grades you know what I'm saying <laughs> so uh if you know you want to do it start early and uh try to do really well on the MCAT which is that licensing exam to get into medical school because you don't want to go to the Caribbean if you don't have to you know that's where I went to school on Nevis uh right next there to St. Kitts and it was a journey. We'll just put it that. You know, well, what it's I mean? the same. Uh, so you veered off the path, sort of, but it's the same end result. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it. You know, it's just uh, living in a different country for two years. Yeah, a little bit absolutely. Different than living in the U.S. with yeah, uh, you know absolutely. paying three hundred dollar AC bill every fucking month. <laughs> Anywho, uh, no, I mean, doing my two years on the island is like the two years in medical school in America. Same kind of thing. I just live on an island yeah. in the middle of the Caribbean. It's almost like uh, Valencia to UCF kind of deal. Yeah, um, same kind of thing. I mean, uh, island was beautiful, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, you know, everyone's that. like, oh, how was the beach? It's like, hmm. I didn't see it. I saw it every <laughs> once, beach. It, once every two months. <laughs> There's a beach there? After a block party or something. But, uh, no, it was cool. And, uh, you know, doing rotations back in America. Now I'm back uh pretty close to the hometown here doing doing uh doing my thing you know yeah. what i'm saying but it's, now you you're not gonna have uh like a specific like dan's a podiatrist you don't have a specific speciality i guess right you're you're just gonna be so md well i'm, right? an, I'm an md and there's different there's different mds right you got the big ones are like family medicine, internal medicine. Um, those are primary care, right? I'm internal medicine, and you know the other one is family medicine. Internal medicine has the ability to do fellowships. So if you want to become a cardiologist, pulmonologist, nephrologist, um, you want to go into you know addictive medicine, palliative care. Um, you want to be a GI doctor. Um, you have to do internal medicine first. You have to do those three years of residency, and then you specialize or you do your fellowship into something else, and that's when you become, you know, one of those a cardiologist or whatever. True. But no, I am a internal medicine doctor, uh, primary care doctor. Um, you know, I can do hospitalist work. I just prefer 
outpatient work. That's where yeah. that's where my heart is. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's what I, I think I was talking to my mom or something like that uh, the other day after you and I had spoke, and she was asking me that, like, oh, what kind of doctor is he? And I was like, honestly, I don't even fucking yeah. know. In, internal medicine. <laughs> internal that is what medicine. I do. You know, I spend gotcha. a lot of time in the hospital. I just. You know, like it's a scary place in there sometimes. Yeah, I mean, so, you've told me some stories for sure, yeah, man. Yeah, dude. You know, some being in the ICU, some of those patients. You know, half the people in the ICU, from my experience, don't make it out of the ICU. Like, it's a scary You're place. They're there for a reason. They're there for a reason, dude. And like yeah. again, credit to all the nurses, uh, respiratory therapists, physical therapists, medical assistants. Uh, you know it's nurses there it's a team dude you know it's not one person everyone works there together you know doctors too um but it you know everyone pulls their weight around there and it's a team effort to to get the patients better because the patients are the most important thing you know it's a human life and um to me, there's nothing you know, as as a doctor. This is my profession, and nothing is more valuable to me than a human life. And uh, you know, I don't care, um, you know, what race, color, or creed you are, how much money you got. Like when you come in there, that all goes out the window. Because you know, to be honest with you, I'd say probably twenty twenty percent of my patients who come into the ER, they don't even talk to me. You know what I mean? Like I just go off a, a lab set, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some kind of X ray or CT scan, depending on what they're there for. And we go, we, you know, it's time to ride. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's going to be the the title of this episode probably is just shout out to the fucking medical workers, man. All you guys on the front line, um, first responders, medical workers, everyone who's fucking fighting the good fight right now. It's weird, too, because the good fight is... It's like a biological fight that you can't see. You can't see this fucking virus. You know what I mean? It's a weird, uh, it's a weird fight. But we definitely appreciate you guys fighting it, man. Um, so that's why I wanted to have you on here, and I appreciate you coming again. Welcome back anytime. Uh, unless you got anything else to add, I think we're gonna wrap up episode thirteen here with Doctor T's McSqueeze, yeah, babe. Little Rook over here. Um, but yeah, so that wraps up episode 13. Much love to everybody listening out there. Fucking happy Friday night. Shit, it ain't even 10 o'clock. You better have a good motherfucking night. Uh, stay smart, stay safe, stay sexy. You know what I mean? Take care of yourself. Much love, peace. The Cage Podcast. Massive rap. Peace. 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 Peace.